My Mum Made Me, the show about the wonderful and sometimes the weird ways in which our mums make us who we are today. Today, I'm joined by Dwayne Forrest, who is a singer, songwriter and multimedia artist from... Now, I believe, Dwayne, it's Toronto rather than, as Brits would say, Toronto. If I said Toronto, would you be offended? No, you got it. That was good. Uh, awesome. Okay. Well, I actually have family in Toronto. They've taught me well. How are you, Dwayne? Doing great, man. It's great to be talking to you guys. Fantastic. Just so excited to hear about you, your work, your your mom. And, and of course, your mom is going to be featuring or, or kind of the, the story of your mom is going to be featuring as a big part of your um, Edinburgh show, which we're going to talk about later in the podcast as well. Now, Dwayne, I want to kick off rather unconventionally with a little bit of a story about my mom. As you're listening to this story, I, I want you to think about your answer to the following question, which is what would Dwayne have done, you know, in this situation, particularly if it was your mom as well? And then we'll obviously talk about your the wonderful human being that your mom is. The story is is when I was a kid. My mom, she's called Teresa. She's incredibly radical politically, and that sort of like radicalism manifested itself in lots of different ways. So one way is she's really sort of you know very into peace and kind of anti-war. During one of the many many wars that our wonderful country persecuted, probably at somewhere in the Middle East in the nineties, my mom took it upon herself to set up a single woman peace camp outside the town hall in the city where we grew up. Now, when I say single woman, I don't mean it was a peace camp for single women. I mean, it was just her. So she managed to salvage like a, a camping tent from somewhere. Be- I don't know, because we just certainly didn't have one. And was literally there sleeping outside the town hall in front of the sets where everyone went in, in this single person tent for a week and a half. Now, which, you know, is it, ostensibly quite admirable. The, the challenge was that the school bus, we had to catch school two school buses to get home for both me and my sister, dropped us off right outside the town hall. So as we were getting off the school bus, there was said ten with my mum inside, eating probably some sort of, you know, vegan sandwich with bean sprouts and alfalfa beans. And she would wave to us and be like, hi, Paul. Hi, Emma. Don't forget the jacket potatoes in the oven for one an hour and a half. I'll see you later. Bye. And it was crushingly embarrassing as a kid. Now, obviously, now I can sort of look back on on that and, and laugh. And, and it's actually sort of a wonderful facet of my, my mum. But here's my question. What would Dwayne have done? I would think that's awesome. I was a little different growing up. And your mom sounds awesome. But I get the embarrassment. Oh, my gosh. Like, you know, I imagine all your school friends seeing you. Right. And seeing your mom just outside, like, oh, geez. But no, I would have, that's up my alley. That's up my alley. I'm into that. Amazing. Yeah. And certainly a lot of the stuff you write about in your music is, well, about sort of life's experiences, the human experience, and, and kind of ties in neatly with that. I wanted to ask, it, it doesn't strike me as something, the peace camp story, that a lot of moms would do. But tell us a bit more about your mom, particularly in terms of who she was when you were a kid, including any, you know, sort of like funny stories like a peace camp she might have done. Well, my mom, (laughs) let me think about that. My mom, well, first of all, like I said, she features in my story in the Edinburgh show. The show is called Climb. And you know, writing the show and like you said, looking back on that time with your mom, but looking back at my mom over the years, I, of course, as I'm getting older, I appreciate and love her so much more than I did when I was young. My mom, 
was very powerful is the way I would describe my mom. She's Jamaican, so our family's from Jamaica. Funny story about that is that sometimes my friends would come over the house and when my mom's like, when she was cursing me out in Jamaican, our patois is what we say, like, she was like, <laughs> and my friends yeah. can't understand anything. And then when she speaks to my friends, she speaks in perfect English, right? And it's actually growing up, that's when I learned that like, oh, you know, patois is actually a language because even I used to just think it was broken English, but they couldn't understand what she was saying when she's reaming me out. And she can just go back and forth. Like she'll be on the phone, like with the bang. Oh, hello. Hi. You know, things like that. So <laughs> she did that really well. And that's a kind of ongoing funny things that she did. But yeah, my mom was powerful, man. She raised me and my three siblings by herself. You know, things that I used to falter for when I was young, like not coming to my basketball games or like when I had an art presentation at school. Because, you know, you're a kid, you can't really understand. But the reason was because she was working two or three jobs, right? Like to make ends meet. So, you know, mm. I have such a better perspective now being on this side of childhood, you know? I appreciate her so much. She's like, she's just everything. You speak so glowingly of your mom looking back now, including when from when you were a kid. What's changed in terms of that relationship? Like, you mentioned she was working three jobs. That's tough, right? And she's raising three kids as well. What's changed between now and then? Well, becoming an adult is <laughs> a big part of that because you just can't, you can't <laughs> understand certain things in your young years, you know, and really truly appreciate the sacrifice that she did mm -hmm. and how she raised me. Also, just me moving through the world and people interacting and responding to me. I've often heard people say, man, you, you know, when I tell them about my mom, they're like, man, she raised you so well, which is like, must be a great compliment to my mom, you know, that I'm a reflection of how she raised me. Mm. Sorry, Scott, Chris, but how do, you, how do you mean? Because we're just getting to know each other on this podcast. You strike me as a wonderful human being and you've got a really kind soul. Is it that or is it sort of other stuff as well? Yeah, I think I'm one of the, you know, more gentle type human beings. I had some fights growing up as a kid, but usually I... Not a lot of hate in my bones, but no, it's my mom, you know, her sacrifice. I seen her go through some really, really hard times. She's had a rough life, to be honest. But man, when she laughs, if she laughs, like she has the best laugh. It's so loud. I kind of have the same laugh, but not quite mm. at her, like at her decibel, you know, <laughs> and just to see her laughing <laughs> and enjoy though going through such hard times and such pain. I think that really, I think that. <laughs> touched me and like and molded me growing up you know yeah mm. talk to me a little bit more uh, as much as you feel comfortable with about some of those more difficult parts and what i'd love to do as well Dwayne, is insofar as you're up for it see how that connects with your work now because of course your mom is a big part of your work particularly in the show we're going to be talking about Wow, this is really interesting. First of all, I want to say that this is what a cool podcast. This is I've never heard anything like this. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so before I was, I'm the oldest, sorry, we're four. I'm the oldest of four. But actually before I was born, I had a sister that I never met. She passed away when she was about two years old, having her tonsils removed. Yeah. So it just, it rocked my mom and my father at the time they were together. I'm sure they broke up for many reasons, but they were never the same after that is what I hear. You know, I have these pictures of my mom, like we have like some cutouts from these old newspapers of her like picketing in front of the hospital. Like what happened? Like how did this happen? There's no answers. There's no explanation. 
she just went in for surgery and, and didn't come out. I'm so sorry. Me too, you know. And my mom, I'm 40. She's carried that my whole life, you know, and she'll carry it. Like, it's still with her. I can see it. I can still see the pain of that with her. When the, her name is Natasha, when her birthday comes around, you know, my mom kind of needs some space and, you know, goes to a certain place. And yeah, so that was kind of like probably the big event. But yeah, growing up relative to Toronto and Canada, we grew up poor and like, you know, trying to make ends meet, you know, the whole nine, you know, food bank, all that kind of stuff. Bologna and cheese at times, you know, like, you know, for lunch, just like a bologna wrapped in cheese. That's what I'm saying. And yeah, so yeah, I think your question was, how did that affect me now? And yeah, so growing up, not having lots and, you know, going to school and being with people that have more and stuff like that. I guess in a way, without me knowing, started to politicize me a bit or give me the seeds of that. It took a long time for that to germinate. But yeah, I knew that something wasn't right. You know, my mom's working two or three jobs, right? And like, you know, it, something doesn't, something's not adding up. Yeah. So I think that that's a big part of who I became. And also just not having a lot. So kind of being limited to what you could do. It was strange. It's actually a part of my show. I talk about dreaming about seeing the world. Like I always wanted to see the world, which was just a very silly thing to be. It's a great thing. I mean, it's what, what are we alive for? If not that sort of stuff. <laughs> right, right. I feel that yeah. way now, but you know, growing up, trying to imagine like us, like we grew up, I don't know if you guys have, we call it government housing. So, you know, mm, we have like sub yeah. sub subsidized exactly. housing. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it was kind of like a silly dream for a little black kid to be having, you know, a single mom. Like, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to see Paris. I'm not going to go to Dubai, right? Mm. But I was dreaming about it. I was kind of dreaming about those things. And, you know, funny enough, you know, now I'm talking to you from Paris, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. So, right. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Little Dwayne must be so proud of Big Dwayne. <laughs> right, right, right. So... Yeah, but you know, my mom, one thing though that was really cool about how she raised us that I didn't, first of all, she was totally down with me getting ear piercings or tattoos, which <laughs> is what actually stopped me from doing it. Cause like your parents, you're supposed to do the opposite of what your parents want. Oh, do you think that was intentional? Did she know you enough to? <laughs> I think she was okay. doing, I think she was doing a thing. I think she was doing a thing, <laughs> but it worked because me and my brother, my brother closest to me in age, we both have no tattoos, no piercings. She was so now when I look back, so relatively open-minded about and never got in the way of any dream of mine. My father did, but not my mom. She never got in the way. When you say your father did, because, you know, you were less close with him or because he was sort of abjectly against it? Yeah, no, just less close. You know, he basically was, they were separated when I was five and didn't see him much in those early years. We have a better relationship now, but in the growing up, he wasn't basically around. But when he was, when I started first talking about traveling and like doing an internship in the border of Mexico, Juarez, Mexico, wow. I did things like that. And he was like, what are you, he's like, what are you talking about? Like, we didn't come here for you to go and do like be a missionary or do volunteer work, right? The purpose is, you know, that you can have a better life than we had, right? Like you can have more success than we have. But I was going the opposite way. I was going the opposite way. Of and, that. It, and it sounds a bit like, and this is said with no sort of value attached to it, like your your mom was your heart and your dad was your head in, in that respect. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, you can say that. Yeah. 
Okay. It's so interesting because there is something that you and I both share based on what you just said, Dwayne, which is one of my parents is an immigrant. He's Iranian. He came over and he's very much off that mentality. He's like, what career are you doing? Where are you going? Why are you traveling? Whatever. And also parents were divorced around the same age as yours, actually. Oh, wow. Um, my mum mom raised us single parent we you know much like you've described didn't have two pennies to rub together we used to have to put food back at the supermarket etc but here's the thing i would love to understand at what point either in your kind of like childhood or young adulthood did the sort of the, the penny turn did, did something sort of switch and you you went from accepting what you thought were the kind of the boundaries for you to kind of making that mental change to allow you to where you were today what was there like a an incident was there a point in time or was it sort of a gradual process for you somehow talking to you feels like therapy this is great <laughs> and it's free that's <laughs> right I guess what comes to mind is, I think this answers your question. My family, they still kind of poke fun at me for this till this day, actually. I don't remember how old I was, but I was downtown Toronto and there was a man holding a McDonald's door open. And we're talking like in February. I don't know if you've been to Toronto in February. It is so it's cold. It's very cold. Okay. Yeah. So he was holding the door. He was clearly not dressed for winter. And, you know, and in Toronto, if you're homeless or on the street, there are services. You could get like, you know, some, you can get decent clothes. There are places to take shelter if you feel comfortable to go inside. He was just not dressed for, he was like in a long sleeve t-shirt. And my first thought was that he must have had things taken from him or something. So he was holding the door, just asking, didn't ask a word, just had it. He just held the door and held his hat out, hoping that people would throw some money in. So I threw some money in on the way out. And I said, hey, man, like, where are you from? And he told me he's from, you know, somewhere in, Midwest Canada or something like that. I'm like, okay, cool. And told me a story. And I said, what are you doing here? man?" And he's like, you know, I'm, I had some stuff stolen. I'm just trying to make up enough money so I can get on a Greyhound. This is when we had Greyhound, Greyhound back out West. And for some reason I said, do you want a place to have a shower and a place to stay for a night? Right. And he was like, you sure, man? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, let's do it, man. Now, mind you, I'm like a teenager and it's not my house. Yeah, <laughs> and I, yeah. I've got siblings. <laughs> well, I'm like, what did your mom say? I'm not even thinking of that. So yeah, I bring him home. I'm a guy that just kind of trusts my heart, you know what I mean? And my gut. And so I just felt good about him. So, yeah. you know, we travel together. He tells me a story. He's super cool. I bring him home. I give him some clothes. I, you know, give him a towel. He gets a shower. I give him some of my mom's cook. My mom can cook, man. I don't know if you had Jamaican <laughs> food, but it's good. You guys got a lot of Jamaican food. Well, yeah, yeah, it's good, right? Yeah, you, yeah. So he had some nice food. We chatted and then, you know, my brother came home. He's like, brother, like, who's this guy? And I was just like, oh, it's just my friend. I was just telling him it was my friend, which okay. is not true. I told my mom that as well. <laughs> the next day came and they were all very uncomfortable because okay. they've never met him or heard mm. me talk about him. So they kind of knew that he wasn't really my friend, but I was just saying that so they wouldn't freak out. And then, yeah, the next day he left. Mm. I met up another guy that we helped put a couple more bucks together for him to get the uh, Greyhound ticket and he was gone. And then afterward, they found out that I had brought him in from the street. And my mom was just going crazy on me. Like, Dwayne, are you crazy? Mm. <laughs> your sister leave your sister's room right next door. <laughs> and, I, you know, and, <laughs> and so they still make fun of me today. But I think that was a, <laughs> yeah. that day. It was just kind of like, oh, like, this is kind of how I want to move through life. 
Am I answering your question? I hope I am. You, you completely are. And it's, first of all, thank you for sharing all of the stories, including that one as well. Did you ever hear from the guy, see the guy again? No, because this was so long. Like, I'm 40. So this was like, I don't remember. I don't even think I had it. Did I have a cell phone? Yeah. There was, you know, there was none of the social media sites. There was no way, right, like, none right. of that stuff to stay in touch. So that was just the end of it, you know? What a wonderful thing this podcast would achieve if we could find uh, said person <laughs> to be broadcasting. Back to what you were saying, though, the sort of the turning point or rather the period in your life where you, I guess, grew that identity. You know, as you say, this is how you wanted to move th through life, which I guess is such a wonderful reflection and a wonderful turning point because you're not just saying hey this is what I want to be or do you're saying partly you know this is kind of the impact that I want to have on the world I want to live in which is uh, really wonderful how does music start to come into that like was music before or was that kind of like a later edition yeah so music was always there I wish you could come see my show because like it's like it's basically we're talking about this stuff I'm gonna be up in Edinburgh don't oh, you worry buddy. I'm coming okay okay cool Absolutely. okay I got a ticket for you man or whoever's coming <laughs> amazing yeah so yeah, yeah, music was always there growing up. So Jamaicans, eh, like, you know, obviously we love music. And my mom used to have, she's going to kill me for saying this. She used to have these things we call bashment parties. So they're in, they're in the basement. You know what I'm talking about? I love a bashment uh, okay. party. <laughs> oh my God. But also the fact that your mom would have them. <laughs> yeah. Like for family, for like neighbors. Was it a big affair? No, it was just like, well, this is when I was really young. So all I remember yeah. is that it was in the basement and they would put like clear colored paper on the light bulbs in the basement to kind of <laughs> give like a vibe in the place and That's just great. like deep, deep reggae music. Right. And yeah. people yeah. over like all a bunch of friends over drinks and we weren't allowed because, you know, it was drinking and stuff. So we had to stay in our room. That was the idea. But we wouldn't listen and we'd come down. But you could feel the bass like coming up through the house into your body. So music was always, always there. Growing up, my mom really, we didn't like go to church all the time, but, you know, it was like Easter or, you know, things like that. And I got exposed to like really good singing, like gospel music in the church. I eventually started, to, I joined a church when I, was in my, when I was really young and I played drums in the choir and I sang in the choir and it was kind of just always there, always on the way there. I find artists like you so fascinating and i'm really sort of genuine when i say that for lots of reasons but chief amongst them is you sort of call it multidisciplinary but i guess in my kind of like simple down the pub british terms it means you could do a whole bunch of stuff with different instruments different mediums different stuff with your voice two bits of this question what was the first bit it sounds like maybe singing was the first bit and when did you realize oh okay i'm quite good at this i have a talent and then how does that sort of spread out into all the other disciplines yeah i guess singing probably the first drums was my first instrument i played that and did it in school in our band class and i was really into the drums you know drums are cool so at school once i was eligible to be in band class i asked the teacher hey can i go on the drums and she saw that i had hunger for it so she said yeah you could but i'd like you to start on the flute first i made all this noise up about it her name is Ms. jacobs and i was like come on i was like yeah and she's like, no, okay. She goes, just show me some progress on the flute for about a couple of weeks. And I'll let you over on the drums. I worked really hard on the flute. And then I was kind of ahead of the class on it. And I said, okay, can I go over the drums now? And she said, okay, can you try the trumpet? And then she moved me to the <laughs> trumpet. She moved me to the French horn, to the tenor sax, then to the alto sax, right? Oh my. Yes. And then to the drums. But 
I never understood why she did that. And I was, I just thought it was so annoying. But when I got older, I went back to visit her in my old middle school. And she said that she just could see that I had it. I had the music thing. In oh, wow. Yeah. And I was really happy she did that because it made me start exploring the different, I would have just did the drums. That is absolutely fantastic. And what foresight for your teacher to have, because she could have just been like, yeah, whatever, go go ahead. And she really sort of saw something in you and invested in it. That is absolutely so wonderful. I want to sort of understand a little bit more. Let's talk about your show, not least because it's going to be great, but also because, it, as you say, there's a real strong connection with your mum. What do you mean by that? Like, how does she and her as a sort of like concept, if it's not too weird a way to talk about your mum, feature in the show? Yeah. How do I do this without giving the show away? Well, okay. So she's at the beginning of the story of the show and her importance in kind of a bit of what we talked about in enabling me. She's literally, you know, people say their moms are their number one fan. She's literally my number one fan, right? Like she's like crossing her fingers, hoping that like Ellen DeGeneres is going to bring me on, you know, our show. She's always talks about it every year. She's like, hey, have you like, have you tried to get on like, you know, Britain's Got Talent, America's Got Talent. I'm like, mom, I'm not a singer like that. I'm more like a guitar songwriter guy. But she just thinks that I'm just one person away from making it. And she's always been that way. And so I talk about kind of that influence that she's had, but also Mm. to see her, like what I said earlier about her being so powerful in the face of adversity. She was Mm. my, I only realize this now in my later years, but my first and best example of a woman that I'm looking for, Mm. of a woman I'm hoping to be with. so interesting. Yeah. It's really refreshing and I guess unique in a way to hear you use that exact language. You know, my mum gave me the model for the sort of woman I'm looking to be with. And it's quite lyrical as well, but, you know, I expect nothing less of you. Just talk a bit more about that. Like, in terms of the fortitude, what, what is it specifically the model your mom's given you that made you say, do you know what? That is the epitome of someone I want to be with. Yeah. Well, like I said, I didn't realize these things growing up. It's not until my recent years with reflection, you know, therapy and stuff to really understand. But yeah, it's not all aspects of my mom. You know, my mom's human. She's not perfect. Trust me, she's not perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Some things went down at those bashment parties. We won't talk about them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, in my teenage years, we had a falling out and stuff like that. and We mended that. So there's definitely places where we butt heads and stuff like that. But yeah, the fortitude is the big one for me. The strength is, I think, the thing that really stands out to me. She just seems so Mm. strong. And also like the faith, like the faith, the hope. Mm. And the faith in you. Faith in me. Faith in me. Yeah, faith in me, faith in things getting better, faith in God. Right. That really spoke to me growing up, you know. Why, why do you think she's optimistic might not be a fair word to use, but I'm kind of using it to wrap up a whole bunch of different stuff you said. Why do you think she is so optimistic? That sounds like a leading question. But from what you said, the sort of the story of your mom is super strong, but a lot of challenges constantly backing you. Like, where does that come from? That's a good question. That's a good question. It's a question I've never asked her. Actually, I should ask her that question. Where I think she'd be comfortable asking her. Yeah, yeah. She'll probably be watching this. So, so now she'll kill me for some of the stuff I said. But hey, (laughs) yeah, I think because, yeah, man, I've seen her in some hard times, right? And it's not easy right now for her. She's dealing with some stuff now. But yeah, she still just laughs really loud, (laughs) you know? And I guess that's, 
And I don't know, I could just quickly say, you know, her faith and like I said, in good and in the world and God, but I should ask her. That's a good question. You've come incredibly far, clearly, and already from what you've just described, both in terms of you know the fact that you've traveled and started to live out these dreams, but also, you know, as a, as a performer, as an artist, you, you become increasingly accomplished. I want to share a reflection of myself and my own mum. I want to get your take on it. So there are times at which, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing in life at the moment. Like, life is good, broadly speaking. Like, I have the, the kind of means to support myself, support my partner. There are times when I feel guilty, partly because my mum is still in the sort of position she was in when we grew up. She still lives in the same house, in the same city. You know, she, she hasn't sort of worked in a long time as well. And I feel like a res- there is a responsibility on me to, if I'm the tide and she's the boat, to kind of bring her up if that makes sense, without getting too much into psychology, because obviously it's not a therapy session we're here to talk about you. But like, is that fair, do you think? Do you think people, you know, that have had childhoods like you and or like me, do you think there is that sort of residual responsibility that we feel? Do you think it's a fair kind of emotion? Yeah, I do. I have it. I feel it too. You know, and actually it makes me sad at times because like, you know, it's nice to hear you say that, you know, I'm accomplished and I've come a far way because, you know, when you look back, yeah, I have, but, you know, still not quite enough because like, I just have this, I want to, one thing I really want to do is I just want to take my mom to places in the world that I like, you know, I just want to take her to places I think she'll like, and I'm not there yet. I don't have the financial means yet. I don't have that, that level of success, you know, in music and stuff yet to do something like that. And my mom, yeah, you know, she's still in her apartment in Scarborough, Ontario, which is the city next to Toronto, you know. I know it well, Oh, bizarrely enough. Yeah, I've, uh, oh, I was in Toronto a couple of weeks ago, yeah. visited there. Where would your mom, of the places you've gone to, where do you think your mom would most like to be taken to? Most like. What she would most like would probably be something that's more close to home, which is Jamaica. So, you know, one of these beautiful islands I've been to, like an, an island off of Honduras or is called Roatan or, or Cuba, but that's not where I would take her because that's, that's just what she knows. I probably, I take her to probably Kyoto, Japan, or like Florence, Italy, something like that. Yeah. I mean, two hugely different places. Like what makes you think that she'd kind of be impressed or she'd like them? Because I really do think that I don't just look like her, but I am quite like her. And I think that the way I am and like my hunger for like languages, food and travel, like I want to speak 11 languages. Like, I don't think that- You want to or you do? I want to, I want to, yeah. I don't think that came from nowhere. I feel like it's in her, but she's a generation before me and that dream wasn't possible. And, you know, so she's like, you know, made sacrifices for me to be, I'm so thankful to have been born in Canada, in Toronto, and have a Canadian passport, have the opportunity to do these things. And I think that she doesn't know how the beauty of those two places I mentioned will hit her. I feel like it's going to hit her like it hits me. I have a hunch. How did it hit you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Have you been to Florence? I've been to Florence, never Kyoto, I'm afraid. Did you get to see the statue of David? Yeah. Oh, wow. You're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I looked at it for, it must have been over an hour. I was just looking at it, cir- wow. circling it, circling it, circling it, sitting down, looking at it. Yeah. Just like I got teary-eyed. I couldn't believe that he, I think he completed it when he was 21 years old. I was like, what? 
like yeah like wow kind of puts us to shame doesn't it yeah so that impacted me so much and in kyoto the shrines around the city so just the city itself is beautiful like it's untouched by the war so you see all that old infrastructure and architecture but the shrines i did a bunch of shrine hikes i think i did around seven seven different shrines and when you go up into these it's basically like ruins that are not ruined people are still using it for the purpose they used it like a millennia ago you know so i don't know man i was teary-eyed going up these steps um struggling to go up the steps and there'd be like a 90 year old japanese woman easily kind of going up to like make their prayers in the morning. <laughs> I'm like struggling to get up man and yeah seeing them pour like the water on themselves and like do the prayers and ring the bell and knowing that this thing has been around like you know over a thousand years or older it causes me just to smile to cry to be still and it, it impacts me in a way that i can't quite explain and i think it'll do that for my mom do you know what like uh, if i were your mom just hearing you talk about these experiences that you've had is is in a way enough right because you get a real visceral sense and there's a there's a real sort of like um beauty to the simplicity of some of these that you know you described the statue of david and also the kind of the shrine in kyoto i think as well and i have this a little bit with my mom i haven't been able to take a sort of to nearly any as many of the places I've been to but I have taken her to sort of Italy and she loved that I'm sure there is a word in you know a, a Nordic language or Portuguese for the phenomenon of taking somewhere someone you love in this case our moms to somewhere you've been before and observing the kind of wanderlust um yes, we're observing yes. their experience and the sheer joy that you get from their joy is such a magical moment right yes 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 and likewise i'm sure that they get a joy from seeing us you know like my mom follows me on instagram and there must be some joy some pride in seeing me move through the world but yeah there must be a word for that the word for bringing your mom to the place that you love and watching her take it in Right. Between us, we're going to invent it and then we're going to sort of like put it out on Twitter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Forgive me for not necessarily knowing the exact details of this, but am I right in thinking that your mom emigrated to Canada? Or was that your grand? She did. OK, so she's had a, a, obviously a very different journey, but a journey of her own. Have you spoken with her about that, about that sort of part in either her childhood or her young adulthood? Like, how was that? Yeah. So I know a bit about our. So we're from Jamaica. But as you know, so I'm actually working on a new album now, nothing to do with the fringe. It's called Beautiful Country, and I'm exploring indigenous and black history in Canada and if we have any crossroads with each other. So I've been doing a lot of reading and a lot of annoying questions to my mom about our past. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, beyond my great grandma, great grandfather, we actually don't know where we come from. You know, because, mm. you know, because almost all the black Jamaicans in Jamaica are there by slavery. So, you know, so you take on, my last name's Forrest, you know, so that's the last name of a slave master. Yeah, you know, so. Mm. But anyways, my mom and her mother and family, they moved to Connecticut, United States. My mom went there with them, left them. So she's a teenager, left all of them by herself, a teenage black woman, and moved to Toronto on her own with nothing, went there. I think her father might have went there as well, I think is what she told me, from the States. But she went there on her own, got her own apartment downtown, went to hairdressing school, and did that whole thing. 
so growing up, you know, and she used to always be on me about all this traveling and like I, you know, we say hot foot. You have a hot foot, like you can't stay, <laughs> you can't stay still. Yeah. Right. I'm like, yeah. hey, what do you mean? You have what? Like you don't like, yeah. Yeah, right? Like you you gave you gave it to me. So yeah. That's amazing. Why do you think she kind of left on her own? Was it Wanderlust or Hotfoot or was it something else? No, it might have been a combination of that, maybe that and like kind of, a you know, a change of scenery. That part, like there's still many a secrets and my mom growing up that certain questions that like I haven't gotten answers yet to or, you know, topics, you know, like family drama stuff, that sort of thing. So, yeah, so I don't know all of that, but I don't know why Toronto, why she choose Toronto, right? And stuff like that. So I'm still waiting to kind of get those answers. But I'm happy she chose it. I was going to say, I mean, look, you know, t- Toronto is a fantastic city. Canada's a, a great country. And certainly, like, I can only speak from my own family's experience. I, a big reason for two of my dad's siblings emigrating from Iran to Canada was the perception that it was a little bit more friendly to kind of immigrants. Now, that doesn't come without problems, of course, but, you know, certainly in comparison to other countries as well. The thing I wanted to sort of also cover off is your kind of sense of self and you know how much of that is tied up with mum is tied up with Canada is tied up with music artists is it sort of a mesh of all three of them it sounds like you know maybe you don't realize it uh, or maybe you do but from listening to some of the stuff that you've said there is so much clearly of your mum in you do you think you're becoming like your mom <laughs> yeah. yeah man I, I should be paying you for this therapy session this is great <laughs> yeah in some ways i do feel very different from my mom but as you said yeah as i'm getting older i'm wondering if i'm more like her than i thought you know as i discover more and more about myself right and as i slowly peel back some of her layers about her story and you know you might be right. You might be right that I'm becoming more or I'm realizing I'm more like her right? as the years go on. Yeah, I think so. I'll tell you one way in. Uh, it's it's so funny. Um, my sister and I bristled a little bit at my mum because of her a kind person with eccentricities and some of her kind of like radicalism and how it expresses itself but actually as as adults it is so weird the small thing to see how like the the similarities come through the small things like my sister is vegan my mum raises vegan I'm kind of like tennis towards that way as well she would always kind of like speak up or speak out when something was wrong even like small things like you know someone didn't hold the door open for an older person whatever and uh, and my sister and I very much like that sometimes to the detriment of ourselves in like in in our kind of professional lives as well one of the things that I think I'm uh, well I don't know if there's a similarity or not my mom is is very sort of effusive with her emotions and, and I think I certainly wear my heart on uh, my sleeve and one of the things she she does quite regularly is send me a, a lovely whatsapp voice note you know sometimes twice a week sometimes sort of once a week and there are on a whole bunch of different things sometimes she's showing her observations sometimes she's kind of like checking in I want to play one of them for you and hopefully you'll be able to hear it and I just want to sort of like almost watch your face as you're listening to it and kind of get your reaction to it I'd love to sort of, you know, share it with you. This is Teresa's WhatsApp voice note. Hi, how are you today? Hello to Yuzu. Hello to Lemon. 
hello to Adam and to yourself and hugs for everyone and extra hugs for Adam and for yourself as the engaged couple. So happy for you. So, so happy for you. It is Friday. It is your weekend. Enjoy every hour, however you spend. Paul, I love you. And when you've a minute, could you please send me your dates and times when you, you're visiting, if that's still happening. If it isn't, I will see you soon. Paul, I love you. Bye. It's cute, wow. right? <laughs> Man, that's amazing. Wow, that's amazing. The reason I sort of play the, the voice notes and sometimes tell stories for my guests is that I've always found talking about my childhood, but specifically my mom and my dad, to friends, to people I meet, a really sort of lovely way to connect with them. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why I wanted to share it with you. But also, like, I feel like you've done the same back to me as well and so thank you so much for that we've got a a couple of seconds left can you tell us a little bit more about the show when is it where is it what can people expect where can people get tickets okay yeah so the show's called climb i'm at the edinburgh fringe festival august 3rd to august 29th i'm actually with the underbelly there's there's four big conglomerates for all the shows so i'm at underbelly at a venue called dexter in the bistro square right by the university. Yeah, the show is my story, starting with my mom, about me grabbing a guitar and eventually traveling out into the world, meeting a woman, and that changed my life forever. The story has some laughs, some tears, ups, downs. Um, I'm lost at points, but I find myself at points. And people say it's heartfelt. I did a couple of versions of the show. I actually did the show in 2019. And now I've done a, I've created a solo version of the show and I just did it. I tested it in Vancouver and Toronto and the reception was really good. And it's so amazing to do something like a theater show and have people come up to you crying and thanking me and saying that it spoke to them. Like, it's amazing, you know, so I hope that it'll touch more people. It's my story. It's not made up. It's my story. I wrote my story in, in a theatrical way and. So every time I do it, it's real. I feel like crying sometimes in the story. A big part of it is uh, me going through therapy and how I navigated some really dark times. I'll give you a hint. Italy really helped out. Yeah, so yeah, that's the story. And that's, I'll be on for, the, for August. And I'd love to see you, all the UK folks. I, I guess it's not so hard to get to Edinburgh, is it? It is not hard at all, and I, I will certainly be up there, and hopefully the listeners will as well. Yeah, that would be awesome. Man. Yeah, when you come, let me know. Anyone you're coming with, I got a couple of tickets for you for sure. That's so kind. Yeah. Dwayne, thank you so much for sharing everything. It's been an absolute pleasure, and we look forward to seeing your show at Edinburgh. Man, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I love it. Thanks. <laughs>